You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Indians. It says at the start, I am your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. You can find me on Twitter at Draft. I'm starting a slow release of my Big Board 2.0 for this year's draft. Um, players 1-13 to 13 are up. I'm going to be updating it throughout the next week as I get work my way up to the top 52 players in the draft. Today's show will focus on the rain-shortened game today. We're going to then look at some advanced stats and some other um, non-advanced numbers. Going to have a, a stat-heavy episode at the front. Spend a little bit of time talking about the Akron game today. Um, not a whole ton to talk about prospect-wise there, so we'll just kind of look at the game because it allows us to highlight several players of note. And then we'll uh, we'll loop back around and do some draft talk in general, as I'll kind of just discuss. I kind of gave some sleepers, some guys to look for in the first and later rounds. So uh, I'll just kind of give a, a bit of an overview, and we'll keep working our way through the draft, as that is my primary focus right now. Like tomorrow night, I'm not going to watch the Indians. I'm going to be watching SEC games. That's what happens And tonight. I The Indians obviously didn't compete against college baseball, but that is where my focus is, to be perfectly honest right now. So the Indians come back to split this series. They win the uh, rain-sorted 5-0 game. Carrasco with a spectacular performance. Um, he was absolutely cruising, five innings, 63 pitches, just two hits, six strikeouts. Um, I'm happy they won. I'm a little sad we did not get to see exactly what Carrasco could have done. As predicted yesterday, Manny Banuelos, I thought was someone the Indians could get to, and they did. They were successful in uh, taking advantage of the uh, a pitcher who's just was once a top prospect, but he's not missing enough bats. He's walking too many guys. He's extremely home run prone, as we saw today. So when you flip over to the Indian side of things in this game, as the White Sox, you know, for them it was a total game to forget. This is the equivalent of some of the like the frustrating Lucas Giolito start for us. You come over here, Lindor gets on base twice. Kipnis once, Ramirez once, Santana once. Luplo, of course, the star of the game with the pair of solo shots. We'll get into him when we go into detail. And I was also glad, and I'm sure if you've been listening to this, you probably thought about me when you saw, oh, Luplo's hitting fifths. They're moving Gonzalez down in the lineup. It's a good step. Um, we'll see. Uh, Jake Bowers, three times to the plate, three times on base. His on base percentage is now up over 339 amongst the people who have been everyday players all year on the Indians that is the second best mark and 330 is considered average so he is officially an above average in that area um, again I think power will come it just stinks for him that it's going to be compared to the Diaz deal and you do wonder like man is there a world where they could have made another player fit in there instead of Diaz but at the same time my statement to Tampa fans when that trade went down and my statement to Cleveland fans was I like I like this trade you know I liked getting Santana I'm a big Bowers fan I'm a huge Diaz fan and I was just happy to see that Diaz was finally going to get a chance to play every day 
Continuing on, Roberto Perez, two for two. He's got some interesting uh, advanced stats to look at. I know he's always been a bit of a whipping boy, but he is such an excellent defender um, that anything he gives you with the offense is almost gravy, and he is giving you things offensively. So if we go over Jordan Luplo, I have to comment on with the two home runs today. He is now, so far this year, it's very limited, but he's walking at a relatively high percentage. Well, he's walking at a high percentage. There's no relative about it. 14% is an excellent walk percentage. He's striking out too much, a very high rate of 31%. But, you know, it. a lot of stats kind of show him as he is improving. His, uh, his runs created is a 79, 100 is average. Still not ideal, but... Uh, you know, it steps in the right direction. He has definitely played better since he was called up, and I think he is definitely part of a strong platoon for the Indians going forward with uh, with him and Naquin. I think you can basically make that a league average starter as long as those two continue to stay paired together. Though in terms of that runs created plus... Number one on the team is Carlos Santana. Significant margin. He is almost 30 points higher than any other player. Uh, That's, you know, on a scale that is where 100 is average. It's a huge difference. Number two on the Indians is still Brad Miller. Just let that sink in for a second. Um, For his issues or whatever that we chose, we have Mike Freeman on the team right now, who's currently 13th on the team. Um one spot ahead of uh, Jason Kipnis. So, uh, yeah, that those are the, the guys we have up here. Um, I am pretty sure that over a full season, Miller will be more productive than Kipnis. That's, that's my bold statement of the podcast. Lindor, third at a 94. So Miller is a 97. Those guys are close to average. Bowers at 83 is next. Again, he's a guy, though, who is, we have seen significant improvement in play over the past week and a half or so. Then Leonis Martin, who's doing the opposite, where the play is going down. And then Jordan Luplo, Naquin, Kevin P., Roberto Perez. Then Hanley Ramirez, then Jose Ramirez. Then you got Cargo, Freeman, Kipnis. So, uh, yeah, Kipnis. Let's keep batting him, too. Uh, his 78 plate appearances is a significant number at this point. There's not, you know, uh, Naquin has more, but other than him, it's the the guys who have more at-bats than Kipnis, or more plate appearances than Kipnis, are the guys who have been healthy all year and played. Santana, Bowers, Martin, and Jose Ramirez. And he's still giving you nothing offensively. His defensive metric so far this year has not, not been terrible, but he's giving you nothing on offense at all on any level. And uh, Tito just, bless his little heart, keeps putting him second in the lineup for some ungodly reason. So I promised some advanced stats today. So we're going to click over to Baseball Savant. That is the best place to kind of go look at the stat cast hitting and pitching numbers. It's fun to look at this to see that Carlos Santana is still in the top 3% of the league in hard hit percentage and top 2% of the league in exit velocity. He is hitting the ball hard. Uh, Roberto Perez talked about some of those advanced numbers. He's top 7% in hard hit percentage. Um, 
if you hear about the idea of launch angle, uh, the guy's excelling in this area. Jose Ramirez is, is very high, who, and he also still has the um, good exit velocity. His, you know, there's a lot of things that going on. Um, Mike Hattery had a really good piece on Everybody Hates Cleveland, a site that all Indians fans should go to, um, about what could be going on with Jose Ramirez. I'm not going to give away the lead there. But, uh, yeah, he uh, he kind of goes into in-depth and it comes to some interesting conclusions. But, uh, you know, you look at launch angle, Martin is high in that. Bowers, Naquin. And then you got Carlos Gonzalez and Mike Freeman with negative. So... It's kind of fun. Barrels, the whole idea of like barreled percentage. The guys who are, you know, putting themselves in the best position the most often to get hits Roberto Perez, Jose Ramirez, Leonis Martin, Carlos Santana. So there's a lot that kind of shows that uh, Roberto Perez has maybe been a bit unlucky this year. Um, When you look at the expected weighted on base percentage, which is just, you know, taking all this data and saying, oh, who should be hitting? Santana's, of course, top of the charts, but it shows a Jose Ramirez should be higher as well. Um, shows that maybe he's just been, to a degree, unlucky so far this year. Third is Naquin, fourth is Leplo, fifth is Perez, Lindor is sixth. Um, then you got Kipnis, and then Martin. So it's a... Uh, you notice I didn't say Bowers yet. His uh, his expected is not very high, but uh, it's it's just always interesting to kind of see these, see what uh, what it's saying. Right now, when you look at just weighted on base percentage, Jason Kipnis is in the bottom six percent of the league, and the Indians are in the bottom three percent of weighted on base percentage. That's uh, that's not good. If you were curious about that. You know, there's so many great just, you know, meatball percentage, meatball swing percentage. You can see who's first pitch swinging, who's got a sw- who's chasing. So if we click on chase percentage and we do it, it's like you probably aren't surprised to hear the ones who have the highest percentage of chasing bad pitches. Eric Stemetz, Cargo, Greg Allen. Then comes Naquin, Lindor, Martin, Kipnis. So it's, you know, the, the people you'd expect to be. Um, batted ball profile. You can even come down and see, you know, who's got the, the highest percentage of weak contact. It's Mike Freeman. It's interesting that Roberto Perez is second in that with uh with his hard hit percentage. But you know how? What are the times that someone is under the ball? The highest percentage goes to Kevin P, followed by Eric Stamets, and then Jose Ramirez. So, like I said, it's great to just kind of come and mess around. Who's got the highest ground ball percentage? Mike Freeman at 75% of the time he hits the ball, it's on the ground. Cargo, 62.7. What do those two guys have in common? Negative launch angles, and they're hitting everything on the ground. So you could see how it all comes together. You can see what's happening and how uh, the Indians kind of are where they are. And then you can always click over to pitching. You can see that uh, Adam, you know, Simber is doing a really good job in the pen, according to this data. The data does not like Carlos Carrasco, I will tell you that, because he's giving up a high exit velocity, and hitters are making uh, good contact. Now, this has not been updated, I don't think, after his start today. So this could shift, but it is interesting to see. Nick Wetgren's got a high hard hit percentage. Um, Brad Hand is 
been phenomenal by these stats. Um, you could make a case that it's interesting that when you go through and you're looking for who's got the most red, is red as the positive, that it's Simber and Hand amongst the Indians pitchers in these um, in this data. The And I was extremely hard on Simber, and I'm looking like a bit of an idiot now. But uh, that's what happens sometimes. And we'll have to see if he keeps it going, if he's going to be one of those guys that uh, the clock strikes July and... You know, he uh, turns back into a pumpkin. But, yeah, I mean, you can go through with all of this. You can see highest percentage of first pitch uh, swinging. That's Carlos Carrasco. He's getting the most people swinging. Who has the highest chase percentage? It's uh, Corey Kluber, then Carrasco, then Simber. Stuff like that. It's just, like I said, for me, I find it a lot of fun. I think it can there are times where you're maybe not going, you know, it's, you look at Roberto Perez and you're like, huh, uh, I can't explain the data here, but it's should be something to look at. But uh, for a lot of guys, you can kind of go through, you can maybe make a case for if they're trending up, down, or whatever. So we're going to take a quick message break. I went way long on the front of this. So uh, we'll come back, quick look at Akron, and then draft. Hiring can be hard. Multiple jobs, stacks of resume, confusing review process, but today hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matchmaking technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. This isn't just um, something where people can apply for. They have to be invited. And as we all know, an invite is better than just a cattle call. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great candidate. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, we're back. So... The Akron Arbor Ducks lost today, 13-8. to um, Sam Hentges picks up the loss. He is now 1-5 on the year. But there's a lot of interesting things in this game, even though the Arbor Ducks lost. They're f- facing uh, the Erie Seawolves. Uh, former first-round pick Derek Hill on the other side. Uh, Jake Rogers that was DHing, even though he's like a potential gold glover at a catcher. Uh Former Ohio State outfielder Troy Montgomery was playing is the center fielder for Erie. There's you know there's there's players to know on the other side as well, but uh, for the Indians today, it's it's hard with well, the Indians for the Rubber Ducks. There's two things that are extremely odd in this game. One, Ernie Clement hit a home run. Uh, he had a strong game, going two for three with a walk and a home run. Uh, Clement is someone that I have said might have 20-grade power. Home runs are just not a part of his game. 622 minor league games, that was his third or 
third total home run. He didn't hit many at all in uh, in college. Power is just, it doesn't exist there. So when Clement hits a home run, that's that's something of note. Daniel Johnson also went uh, went long today for his fourth home run. And then Sam Henkes picks up the loss. He goes six innings, gives up seven runs. But you can make a, a solid argument that this was his best performance of the year. And you're like, wait, he gave up seven runs. How is this his best performance of the year? Only two of them were earned. He only walked two. He struck out seven. The eight hits isn't ideal, but um, when you get down to it, his walks were down, the strikeouts were up, and he did lower his ERA in this game because, again, five unearned runs. So <clears throat> this game had the dual oddities in there of Henke's having what looks like a terrible performance and it might be his best and Ernie Clement going deep, which is something you can, like, set a clock by it's going to happen maybe once all year with the time that's left i'm gonna sit back and uh, do some draft talk right now so the uh the draft is i believe june 3rd i do not appreciate them the past two years pushing up the draft it was nice since i am a teacher in my day job to have about a week off between the end of the school year and the start of the draft to really push out some articles in that last week now um i have an in-service day on friday and then by Monday, I have to be ready for the draft and have everything I want out. So it's always it's it's been a grind last year. It'll be a grind this year. But it's a fun grind most of the time. So this year's draft is the worst I can recall covering. The, uh, the college pitching class has very little upside, and it doesn't have a ton of depth. The high school hitters don't have the same ceiling as in recent years. It's not quite as loaded with the high-level athletes. And the pitching class, um, my top pitcher this year would have been sixth last year on my big board. The college bats are incredibly deep, and that's the value. Um, Adley Rushman from Oregon State. I would have had a really hard time a year ago, him or Mize, for that top pick. And I say this is the only person who had Mize as the number one player on their board from June to June. I I was a huge fan, and he was my number one prospect for the entire year. It was the first time that had happened since uh, Bryce Harper. And now Rushman's going to do it this year, so it's back-to-back guys. His performance, there's no flaw to his game. Um, there's like some rumors that you know maybe Baltimore will try to save money. I think that's foolish. Yes, catchers are innately risky. Um, but when you look at Rushman, he walks more and he strikes out. Uh, he hit 406 last year. He's hitting 435 this year. His home runs are up. He's a plus defender behind the plate. He's got a plus arm. You're getting a guy who could win. I mean, you're getting a guy who I compared him to Joe Maurer on my big board. He does everything from the position with the most scarcity, and you have to feel comfortable he's going to continue doing it because he's coming from a top-level program. Um, he's done it everywhere he's gone. If the Orioles don't take him, I mean, it would be mind-blowing to me. He's just, you know, they have a very analytical front office. They hired people from the Astros who are known for numbers. Knowing that you can take a positional weakness from most of Major League Baseball and potentially make it your best hitter gives you an advantage over the other teams because all of a sudden that's not a position that uh, you're scrounging for and you have that advantage of having you know the Giants with Buster Posey 
had an advantage. It's like when you can have the equivalent of a first baseman's bat at catcher, that's just so much different than another team that allows your lineup to be significantly stronger. Um, and I love Andrew Vaughn. He's number two on my board. It is kind of, I think, Andrew Vaughn's season, though, tells you everything you need to know about this class. He is no worse than three on any board. And this is, he's a five foot 11 first baseman, which would be like for you NFL fans, if he was a, you know, it's, I've always said it's like the offensive guard, but I feel like offensive guard is all of a sudden gain more value in the NFL. But, you know, he's extremely undersized. Uh, be like drafting a box safety really high who was five foot eight. You know, it's like a combination you don't expect at a position. Vaughn is, again, number two on my board, but not only is he at the position of least value and he's uh, undersized, which has traditionally been a huge issue, his numbers this year across the board are down. Now he's still killing the ball, but that would have given teams a reason to not draft him. That would have given people a reason to knock him because of the heightened position. Instead, he's risen in most places, which means that players just plain and simply aren't taking advantage or moving up. There's not enough positive momentum in this draft. And when the guys who are moving up, you look at J.J. Blade, I've talked about this before. Um, Pedro Alvarez is the most successful hitter from uh, Vanderbilt recently, and he's viewed as a disappointment for his relative draft position. Blade just broke his single-season home run record at Vanderbilt. Uh, Alex Cora was like the third player, if you're going backwards, who's been uh, played in over 500 games since uh, being drafted out of Vanderbilt as a hitter. It's Ryan Flattery, who's down in the minors with the Indians right now. Um, Flattery, Alvarez, and Alex Cora, the last three guys. So Blade has been amazing, but there is that ghost of the, the Vanderbilt program when it comes to producing hitters. Uh, Hunter Bishop was on fire at the start of the year and has looked like a very average bat in conference play. Problem is, the early part of the year is when you face more cupcakes, and the schedule gets harder when you go into conference play. And with the baseball draft, I remember I had Bradley Zimmer sixth on my board, and he fell to the Indians. Now, whether or not that was a good pick at 21, you can debate. I think it was, but the reason he fell is because he didn't play as well in May and April that he had in February and March. And that is something that does cause uh, players to slide in those situations to occur. Nick Lodolo has uh, finally proven himself, but I think he's more a mid-rotation lefty, a very safe arm. But he has moved up. Zach Thompson is pitching very well, but there are the injury concerns because he's had a few injury issues over the course of his career. But a uh, player performing that well in the SEC always intrigues me. Kentucky also has a long history of underperforming arms. They've had so many arms. Uh, Kyle Cody, Zach Brown, I know I'm forgetting another one in there, that had, you know, when MLB.com, for instance, dropped their top 50 draft prospects, there was a while there where every year Kentucky had a guy in the top 15 who ended up going on day two. Now they have a new coaching staff there, that old coaching staff, I mean, I heard from players who left to go to smaller schools. They were, it was a, they weren't doing their players any favors. The new staff has been 
really good, so you wouldn't necessarily hold it against him, but things like that do burrow into mines. Um, Alec Manoa is kind of a two-pitch guy at this point. Uh, Robert Kirby, how high do you take a guy who's been at Elon? Yes, he was dominant in the Cape as a reliever, but he is still a small school guy who's basically just thrown a fastball all spring. Then you go into the prep ranks. Bobby Witt's old for his class and has a questionable hit tool. He's not a five-tool guy. That hit tool's never going to be plus. And, you know, if we go through history, players with questionable hit tools are the riskiest bats to draft. C.J. Abrams, where is he going to play? You know, there's debate about his position. Riley Green, he's a corner outfielder. He is not a center fielder. Teams prefer to go up the middle early because the problem with Green is if he struggles in the outfield, then you're moving him to first base, and that discounts a lot of his uh, his value. You know, if a guy is a center fielder and there's a chance he can play center, well, you know you can fall back on left field. In this case, um, when Green is in left field. This doesn't work out. He's going to first. So it's it's an interesting class from that regard of talent. I'm really big on Corbin Carroll, the uh, the outfielder from Washington. I have him as my number two prep player. Uh, undersized bat. Everyone discounts his power, even though his bat speed is amongst the best in the class. His exit velocity is amongst the best in the class. And he gets compared to Benintendi and Ellsbury, who are similar sized, um, and were able to hit for power. So it is interesting that he's viewed as someone who won't hit for power, even though there's some statistical stuff to show that he could, and he's compared to guys who do. I I mentioned that in my write-up as well. But the other problem with this draft is the lack of depth. I kind of feel like from about 18 to like 90, it's it's very close. And you'll see guys who are maybe like 19 on my board be 65 on another and 50 on another. And that's just when players are this close, you know, there's certain things I look at that are separators, certain things that our people look at. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's it's going to be a crazy draft. We do hear all these rumors. The teams are just like, and we hear it every year, but we're hearing it more this year. The teams are maybe looking at underslot deals, that they're not in love with the talent at the top. They're not in love with the talent in general. So let's just spread the money around and take more players with ceiling than, you know, two or three guys who cost a lot, who have the the extreme end outcome so we'll take some like six or seven guys with lower end outcomes and that's really all for this week i want to thank everyone for listening subscribing telling a friend writing a review all that stuff helps greatly uh we're going to i'm going to be doing more draft next week as well and going into the minors seeing how things are going on monday i'll also be diving into what happened this past weekend so there's always that to look forward to Thank you for listening, and as always, Go Tribe!